Chinese menu in his hand. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the view of Wolfpack Research or any of its officers. The views and opinions expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. We are not investment advisors. We hold no registrations with the SEC, FINRA, or any other regulatory agency, and none of the opinions expressed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. The listener should assume that we have positions in and stand to benefit from any stock or other security mentioned on this podcast. Do your own research before making investment decisions. Welcome to the Wolf Den, everybody. This is Dan David coming at you with the pack, and by pack, I mean, yeah, Sound Carl. He's back. <laughs> you can't get rid of him. I'm like, uh, um, uh, yeah, well said, well spoken, Carl. <laughs> I appreciate that. That was that was that was you really putting it together, putting it down. <laughs> we also have Andrew with us, who's uh, who's new to the pack, and welcome, Andrew. Well said on your part too. Yeah, great to be here. <laughs> Carl's going to have his crayons out taking some notes. He needs to because our special guest is a YouTube influencer and sensation and someone who specializes in shining a light on the bullshit propaganda in the CCP. My favorite subject, as you all know. He is, I don't know, been described as Voldemort in China by the <laughs> CCP. I, I think that's a pejorative if you're a wizard. And his content is banned in China, much like my physical presence. I'm sure his is too. This is Lawe86. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you very much, Dan. I appreciate you having me on. Follow him on his YouTube channel at Lawe86. Matt has nearly 2 million subscribers on four channels, tens of millions of views in his videos. He lived in China for 10 years. He and his friend Serpent ZA, you guys just, you just have the coolest names. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Serpent CA was the first China YouTuber and Lawe86 was the second. So you've got one and two there. Then they teamed up and started doing a YouTube channel in China after they set up a custom motorcycle shop. Very cool, Carl, right? That is very cool. I know you love your motorcycles. Yes, although I'm curious about custom motorcycles in China. I can't imagine they're... Oh, you watch the videos. You'll see. It's uh, the really cool trips they take. Lawe86 and Serpent ZA created two shows called Conquering Southern China and Conquering, you know, Northern China. Because, yeah, they already did the South. It covers the whole thing. Yeah, it's North and South. But saw a huge change in happening under the leadership of, you guessed it, Winnie the Xi Jinping. <laughs> uh, predictably, China came after them and they were forced to leave or face off with the government. Which is, you know, I think Matt will get into this a very tough thing because he's, he built a family there. And now they focus, rightfully so, on human rights atrocities committed by the CCP and bringing awareness to the rest of the world about Chinese government's true ambitions. Matt, very, very cool. I'm just going to take a wild guess at this. You fell into this. This was not your life plan. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I mean, like the whole, the whole China thing, I think... It's rare that I can talk to somebody like yourself that actually has experience with China, especially with the idea that you're going into it with a positive mentality, going into it with the idea that there's going to be some, not just fortune to be made, but also just opportunity in general. When I was in China uh, in the beginning, again, I was just setting up my life like you would. You know, one contract led to another, and I just kept picking up jobs and eventually getting married and having kids and stuff and running my own business, like you said. And you never expect to want to go into a country and be like, I'm going to be the forefront of the critique against the, the government of this country. Of course, you don't go into that thinking that with that pre preconceived notion. So 
when uh, we were filming our TV shows, like you mentioned, we noticed that like in the beginning as a foreigner with a camera, people were very receptive to you. You could see China opening up. You could see like, and not just financially, just like people in general saying, you know what? We used to be closed off and the past leader, Deng Xiaoping said that we're going to open up to the rest of the world. And it actually was happening. Yeah. The problem with that was that there was a framework that was always there. There was always the framework of the Chinese Communist Party to say that when needed, we can crack down and close everything off again um, to maintain social stability. And that is really just the, the kind of paramount of how the Chinese leadership works is social stability above everything else. And so what they saw was that if there was any sort of discourse within China amongst the populace that was pointing fingers at the government, it had to have come from outside influence. So this is always what happens is that when China perceives an outside threat, they turn to xenophobia and nationalism to kind of promote the social stability and say that everything that you, every discomfort that you're experiencing, whether it be a downturn in the economy or a, you know lack of healthcare or terrible education system, whatever, all this stuff is America's fault. We saw that kind of happen under Xi Jinping. We, I think, to be honest with you, like the Winnie the Pooh reference that you made was hilarious, by the way. But when you look at like Chinese leadership in general, when we saw Xi Jinping coming into power, uh, the majority of us were actually kind of excited because we we're like, this is the yeah. next step of liberalization. Mm -hmm. Like, this is actually going to liberalize China even more. He went to school in Iowa for Pete's sake. I mean, like, right. corn fed. Dude, his name's Ryan. Yeah. He literally right. has, he's called Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. talk okay. about approachable, right? Like, yeah. You got Hu Jintao, you got Deng Xiaoping. I speak Chinese, so it's a different story, but the average person is not going to go around being like, oh, you know, I really miss Hu Jintao, right? That name doesn't roll off the tongue. No, but you could miss a Ryan. Ryan? Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure. We all know Ryan. Oh, definitely. One of my best friends named Ryan. Ryan comes into power and people are super pumped. They're like, you know, yeah, he seems like a pretty forward thinking dude, but you know, it turns out he's just a CCP princeling. And he really just worships power more than anything else. So what I get, I get this impression that a lot of Xi Jinping's policies stem from him not understanding how things work. And I think there's an argument to be made at just like how incompetent he actually is in his leadership. So like when Xi Jinping doesn't understand a certain sector, let's say robotics or something, then he won't pay attention to it or won't focus on it and focus on something else. Because to him, consolidation of power is much more important than the actual you know future of the country so a lot of talents being stifled massive brain drain uh, and he consolidated power like faster than anybody in history yeah i mean right generally you don't have maybe full control of the military until your second term yeah and and he had it within a year or two right i mean that was that was something like e even you in china you're like okay that's a little weird mm -hmm. right i mean i i remember my team being over there saying this is something different going on here yeah what was it like in China? What were they saying when that was happening? Yeah, so the, uh, the symptoms came through, you know, for someone that wasn't really interested in politics at the time, the symptoms came through when you saw the banners go up. When you saw, yeah. you know, when I first got there, the hammer and sickles, they were taking them down. The the red right. banners, they were taking those down and you were seeing everything be replaced with like new startups and people like opening up little businesses and shops and stuff. Right. Then all of a sudden the billboards go up with Xi Jinping clapping as you're on like a dirt road where there's people walking around holding rats and stuff. There's like a Xi Jinping like clapping over the road, you know, it's like that was bad vibes, like by and large just bad vibes compared to when I first got there. So yeah, when his picture starts going up everywhere, 50 feet tall, right? That's by the way, that's never a good sign no. in any country. No. 
little North Korea like North Korea vibes, Turkmenistan vibes, you know. Yeah, yeah, all of that. And then you know, here you are, this guy that's just like, uh, I want to go to China and experience, you know, this this country just growing up. And it's not like you didn't see what you would expect in China, fake knockoff, you know, Gucci bags. And, oh yeah, you know, all that stuff. But it was it was tongue in cheek. Nobody was kind of trying to hide it. Really, no. I mean they. They knew it was, and you knew it was, yeah. right? When you're on the street buying it, yeah. And they, they appreciated Westerners coming in, right? And and then not so much about the time the banners are going up. Yeah, for sure. And that's exactly when we noticed when we we're going around filming. We had like a tiny film crew doing everything under the radar and stuff, just focusing completely on positive interactions with people around China because we're tired of right. the government narrative is to go around to a city center and have like a full on CCP entourage to introduce something like overly produced bullshit to everybody and we were out there riding our motorcycles around china for thousands of kilometers meeting these really cool people with great stories and we're like why not put our own you know our own stuff out there that we produce ourselves it'll be real and they just didn't they didn't want to see it, it didn't matter like it wasn't that anything was negative it was a fully clean very nice positive picture of china that we because we it was our love letter to the country but at the same time it wasn't the image that the ccp wanted the rest of the world to see it wasn't an expose. It wasn't like, look at this dirty factory. But they allowed you to do it for a while, right? Yeah, they did. And I think that was a hangover from that that liberalization period, right? It was a hangover from maybe like this gray zone of how China operates is kind of what made, made, made it success, right? No, yeah. I mean, look, I watch your videos mm -hmm. like the beginning when you guys first started as these influencers. And you can just see the arc, yeah. right? And, and w what surprised me as we're sitting here now in 2022 or when I started watching them, maybe in the last year is like, you didn't have minders. No people were, people were very open. People generally, when you get out in the country are pretty open yeah. anyway, or used to be, that's how we could find fraud in these factories. Sure. Cause they'd just be like, yeah, <laughs> no, there's only 10 people that work there, <laughs> not 10,000. And then that changes. Yeah. Right. I mean, first of all, you riding a motorcycle became a problem. Yeah. Didn't they like outlaw those at some point? Yeah. And in major cities, cause they said, you know, the government, said it made the, the country look poor, made it look bad, right? So you had to remove motorcycles from the equation because only cars are the future. And, you know, th this idea that the Chinese government has is that everyone in America doesn't like two-wheel transport because they have enough money to buy a car. So it's just ridiculous ideology, right? That's crazy. Yeah. And it really hurts somebody's motorcycle business, I imagine. Well, you can imagine, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing you can juggle. Yeah, I mean, we were pushed to the outskirts of the city. And uh, just to operate, right? And yeah, for us to like be able to like film on motorcycles was crazy. And so these areas, you'd even go to some rural areas that had adhered to this kind of government ban and be chased out of the city or, you know, get your bike threatened to take or have to bribe the cops to get it back. But really when it came to a head was when we were filming Conquering Northern China and we um, were just filming some camels. And then we went to this uh -huh. farm where they make uh, horse milk alcohol. Horse milk alcohol. Yeah, so you milk a horse, and don't don't get any ideas. They yeah. have they have you know they have milk glands and udders just like a cow, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not that kind of not that kind of uh, horse milk, Milking. unfortunately. Yeah. I, at least I don't think so. Oh, anyway, we uh, what they do is they ferment it, right? Mongolian people do uh, this, well, by the way. Yeah. So there's a bunch okay, of Mongolians yeah. in northern China, and they ferment this milk and they turn it into this uh, kind of spirit, right? This alcohol. You know what's crazy is it actually tastes kind of like strawberries weirdly enough what? yeah it, it, it tastes it, you know it tastes just like horse juice 
You wouldn't it's believe weird. it. You wouldn't believe <laughs> how similar. They don't hide uh, the gist taste at all. Uh, in a strawberry kind of way all right fair anyway in reality though yeah it's 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 i mean i wouldn't go out of my way to drink it my point is is it was completely innocent um it was actually really romantic it was really nice we were riding our motorcycles with these mongolian herders out with on their horses we're on our bikes i bet that's really cool yeah we were chasing the the horses around getting them into the, the pens and stuff and uh Actually, you put a very funny image in my head. Like a couple of these guys had absolutely no sense of humor because they know there's like nomads living out in the middle of nowhere. There's no like, right. they yeah. didn't watch Seinfeld, right? Or something like this. Right. Uh, this one guy was, I mean, the way he was milking this horse was very suggestive. And we, <laughs> both my buddy Winston and I, we were just trying so hard to be respectful and stifle our laughter and just turn it right, around. Because he's all business when he's jerking the source off, right? Like, I mean, he's just like, uh, 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 oh, yeah. Right. And he's wearing his like traditional outfit, right? And he turns around and he looked like he's going to fucking kill us. And he had like a sword. <laughs> Right. Oh well. So we were like, "Oh, so that's wow. not, that stopped the laughter." That's for that's for the uncooperative horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, long story short, next to this is right on the Mongolian border. So this is just one of the instances that kind of made us realize that we need to get the hell out of there. But we, when we stayed at this hotel, the uh, SWAT team came in and interrogated what is us. That? What What does an inner Mongolian SWAT team look like? I mean, were they also riding horses no. and, and camels and stuff? No. Okay. So for context for your audience, inner Mongolia is a, just a province of China that happens to have a lot of Mongolian people there. So mm-hmm. the SWAT team was, you know, there were, there were Han Chinese people, there were Mongolians, but they're all in China. It's just part of China. They're wearing Chinese SWAT right. team outfits with their weapons okay. and body cams and stuff. And they so had like just, real SWAT. Yeah. They had real detectives. Um, I presume from Beijing over there and they knew everything about us. They knew where I shop. Wow. They knew which contracts I had for my yeah. jobs. They knew everything. So I'm thousands of miles away from home where I live in China. They know everything about me and they uh, interrogated us and they were hundred percent convinced that we were these guys that they had been warned about these guys that make YouTube videos. We were, we were, by the way, <laughs> but they, what they presumed it was us was that we were there to go make some huge expose on why Mongolians don't want to be a part of China, which is absolutely not. We had no, no, cons- we didn't even know where we were really. Right. Right. We weren't there to break some story. We're just here to milk the horses. Yeah. We're there to milk horses. Like, you know, normal people do. How does one get out of that? Because it's, it's at least half true. You are the YouTube guy. Yeah, so, but we weren't doing anything wrong. Right. Right. But the, so how do you get out of the other half of it? <laughs> They get this memo, obviously, that these guys are out there making unlicensed videos without a journalist license or something like this. And they're like, okay, you know, there's probably enough, what's it called, telephone game going around that, okay, they're going to end up doing something bad. They're going to end up breaking some massive story. And it turns out that's actually true. We didn't know anything about it. But, you know, the Uyghurs in, in Western China that are currently being genocided, that story was broken by a journalist, right? People figuring this out and chasing up stories and whatnot. And it turns out there's huge dissent in Inner Mongolia amongst the Mongolian people that don't want to be a part of China, right? There's a huge, huge amount of dissent, but it's just not been talked about yet. So here they are thinking that we're going to take some massive opportunity to go film all this kind of stuff. And we realized that really to sum it up, there's so much to talk about there, but to sum it up is that's when we knew there was so much paranoia going around China that it wasn't feasible. And really when it came to a head was when our buddy, um, Michael Spaver, which is one of the Canadian Michaels that was illegally de- detained in China. 
and during the whole Huawei Meng Wenzhou scandal. When that happened, it was just like very obvious to us. And I had a very narrow escape from China, but you know, people can go check that out. But it, really, it just made so much sense to us that the writing's on the wall. China's given us so many signals that it doesn't want foreigners here anymore, especially foreigners with cameras talking about things, that it just made sense to get out. And really, what we were able to do when we left was start talking about a lot of the things that we felt morally responsible to talk about, but couldn't while we were in China. So, so you, you got away from the SWAT team and, then, and I guess the PLA showed up at one point too, right? It was, it wasn't just yeah, 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 we were, army. The PLA took all our gear apart. They were like, kept grilling us. Like, why are you filming here? We're like, we're, we're at that point we're filming camels. Didn't, you know, they didn't believe us. There was, we we're just basically pestered the entire way, but it wasn't like uh Oh, okay, it's an authoritarian government. They just don't want us filming here and let's just move along. It was like pestered until I left China, basically after that. Yeah, I cops showing up at my house and whatnot. It's it's a weird dynamic. Like you can you can you can't be apparently, as you point out in some of your videos, in a very matter of fact way, you can't be pro China and pro US. Like no. you, you started out teaching English. Yeah. You know, as your first kind of job in business uh -huh. as an entrepreneur before you're making motorcycles. And you couldn't even have an American flag next to a Chinese flag, which would symbolize cooperation. Yeah. You can't do that, right? No. Well, you especially can't do that if you are not doing it the way they want you to. So there is a certain type of branded propaganda that China puts out that's like all about cooperation and the striking the balance. But what you'll see, there's actually a, an influencer out there that fills a specific role of being the, I'm the bridge between China and America, right? But uh, actually- We call that a white monkey. Yeah, yeah, that? sure. It's a white monkey job, right? But what that yeah. actually is, is it's, I'm pro-America and pro-China if we take China's side every single time, right? Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm pro-America and pro-China when America and China agree. Right. When they disagree, I'm pro-China. That's absolutely correct. Right. Yeah, I watched your white monkey influencer's episode i really think and you know these are great bite size episodes right mm -hmm. so they're not they're not way too long like my podcast um, <laughs> and man the amount of time you must have spent to get 15 or 20 minutes or whatever and show these guys and girls and how they're just propagandists paid off and from tier one, two, and three of like, this is just an idiot who thought he was taking a free trip and gets a free trip. But now, but now he's like, you know, throwing carrots up in the air, like a juggler for the CCP <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a video to really a spy and should be branded as, as state media. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic episode. And that's exactly what they are. They're white monkeys. Yeah. I mean, thanks for pointing that out. You know, I did three white monkey job videos to highlight the innocence of the beginning, like when you go to China and you're just, oh, I'm a foreigner, I can sell underwear, I can sell whatever, I can, whatever, yeah. whatever, like they want to use a foreigner to give credence to a product that starts innocent. But yeah, right now, that the prime objective for China uh, to use foreigners is for propaganda. So they really do groom people, like you said, they groom people in that, like, we'll give you a free trip. And then eventually you're like standing on a dam that's about to burst. And they're like, yeah, there's no problems here. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll let you stay at this beach resort in Hainan. And then next thing you know, it, you're standing in front of a concentration camp in Xinjiang saying that there's nothing going on there. So it's very like evil what they're doing. And it's right. to me incredibly unfair that 
YouTube can label state media as such. So for example, like CGTN is Chinese state media. It'll say such, say these things, but these amplifier channels, these paid white monkeys, they're not labeled as such. So the average person out there maybe just won't know that they're reading a script and taking information from an authoritarian government to promote its country and to you know, demonize the West. And I think that it's unfair to the casual viewer that they don't see that label. No, it's it's crazy. There's like you you point out this Wow Girl, I yeah. guess, who's had several, uh, and that's I guess that's her handle now, Wow, wow Girl, because wow. Miss Wow, the yeah. first, yeah, the first three incarnations of her stunk. Yeah, <laughs> or, or you had pointed out like you know uh, some of these people you just flat out call out enough to where their channel goes away. Yeah, you and Serpent ZA or whoever yeah. do that personally, that's a direct cause and effect. And thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for acknowledging it. Yeah. But like this wild girl doesn't get a state media stamp, mm -hmm. which is, is ridiculous because as you point out, as happens, like she'll say, Oh, you know, China, we're, you know, so, so great at accepting the LGBTQ community mm. here in China, which is absolutely untrue. It's right. like the last place you want to be gay. Right. But what they play here on video is that it's a great place for, mm -hmm. for them to be gay. Meanwhile, they're not accepting foreigners anyway, so no, no. so they can just say that. That's actually a really good point, is that during the uh, huge hubbub about the Xinjiang Uyghur genocide scenario, was they were saying, as part of their propaganda campaign, you can just go get on a plane and come over here and see for yourself. When China's been completely closed off, you can't come there as a tourist and if you were somehow managed to like had, had managed to teleport there, you'd have like 10 minders around you, which we've proven right. um, in some of these guys' videos. We actually spotted the minders following them around, which they're very upset about. Even their white monkeys get seven minders. Yeah. So you can imagine what a tourist would get. We had what uh, Ambassador Shea on last year, and he talked about he's a government official, and they had dozens of minders around Well, them. you expect that as a government official. I mean, I don't think you expect it when you're going to, as a, as a tourist to a resort town or or if you just wanted to see Xinjiang, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, to- Forbidden City. Or yeah, uh, but but you, you will get a minder. And as as Lawe pointed out in his video, even, I forget what this particular white monkey's name was, but he, he definitely was one. But he's like, he's just like a little arrow is going down. Minder number one, minder number two, minder number three. <laughs> and they're all walking around so inconspicuously. Like, I mean, they might as well have something on their forehead that says minder. Yeah. That's actually a really good example of domestic propaganda. So it's to get the white monkey to confirm what the government tells its own citizens, right? That there's no, no genocide and stuff. Nate, it's a dual pronged approach, which I pointed out, is that they found out later that they can use these white monkeys to convince their populace of what they want to brain them, wash them with. But then I'll also simultaneously put it out there on YouTube, which is blocked in China, for other Westerners to see, right? To say, oh, right. well, this Lao 86 guy and Serpent ZA guy, they're, they must be full of shit because they're not in China anymore. And these guys are on the ground, right? They're actually walking around showing the truth. And that's really what the, the approach of the Chinese government is. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're not allowed to see YouTube in China, but you can export YouTube from China. If it's propaganda. As long as it's, if it's propaganda. That's right. exactly right. And uh, I mean, I guess this is sad for you because like you, you went there, you get married, you have a family. Sure. And then you buy a home. Yeah. You, you own... Well, I mean, lease property for 99 years or yeah. whatever <laughs> shit they pull over there. Yeah. And, and you have to leave. You know, one of the reasons you stayed just kind of shocked me. It's just like, listen, it got so uncomfortable around here. 
and then there was the kidnappings at the park yeah. and I've got a two year old. Right. Is that is that really happening? Yeah. They're just like kidnapping two year olds? I mean, there's a reason that they the government actually allowed a website to be set up because it was so bad and causing so much public unrest. It's called uh Baobei Hui Jia, which means like baby come home because kidnapping and human trafficking is so pre- prevalent. China, now the Chinese government will never admit that it's a problem, but at least they allowed like a public forum for people to post pictures of their kids that were kidnapped. But yeah, just in the park right next to my house, there were five kidnappings in a very short span of time. And Jesus, it's what they do is they would get the, the human traffickers pull up like a van, like a really shitty, it's called a bread box van in China. It's just kind of a like, white van. It's, it's, it's silver. No, it's a bread box van. Yeah. The white van's the kidnap van here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, think of a different, a smaller version of that. But they pull it up and they'll, you know, there'll be like a grandma and grandfather looking couple will come out and they'll have a dirty kidnapped child that they've already, you know, groomed. And they'll say, go and lure the, these kids over here. So the kids will go and try to find friends in the park. There's like, you know, you know, China's people everywhere, right? So yeah. it's a lot of commotion, a lot of noise, people dance, people singing or whatever. And the kids will go and lure the the other kids over to the van, which you know, where they'll get snatched. And what happens is the boys will be sold. The young boys will be sold to couples in the countryside that wanted to have a boy, but couldn't have a boy uh, because males Uh are preferred and the girls will oftentimes be sold into the sex trade. So it's one of those horrific things that you couldn't even fathom, but it's so, it's just so prevalent and widespread that it was like, that was one of those things that burned our souls. Like we have to talk about this, right? Uh, yeah. So we, we obviously we waited till we left, but it was one of those things that I couldn't. Why would I raise my child in a in a scenario like this? Right. I mean, look. I mean, it's it, it's just the, you know, China's not 1.4 billion evil people. No. Um, no. I mean, and you make that point over and over yeah. again. Yeah. That yeah, you're you're one of the people. Yeah. Uh, like they're one of us. It's just the governments. But you know, having said that, wouldn't that be the last place in a surveillance state where you would try to set up? kidnapping children i mean what happens when these people get caught i imagine there's a five minute trial and they're shot in the head you would you would hope so and here's the issue the reason that you know china gets lauded as being able to do grand projects very quickly and very successfully right oh yeah, well, well they're shams and shambles and they fall apart right <laughs> you're the right person <laughs> to talk to about this the, the issue with that is is that even if you use that kind of false image of how amazing authoritarian states are doing things so quickly and successfully that all falls apart when you actually look at why the government doesn't focus on stopping human trafficking you know because technically it could at least from a propaganda perspective yeah the reason is is that they're they're complicit the human trafficking goes so deep and i'm not trying to be like tinfoil hat over here but there are so many local officials that rely on some element of trafficking or at least the traffickers in general to generate income or to consolidate power in their area or you know just in general having connections in guanxi like uh with people that are in that business that are influential in their politics that they can't stop it it's their part it's of it. that big it's yeah, that big of course, absolutely i'm not talking about some people in jongnan high and in, in beijing sitting there in the you know the equivalent of the oval office talking about what, which kids to kidnap next but i'm talking about when you have it systematically going down through the provincial governments, the towns. Well, a great example is when I was in Guizhou. I was in this little town, poorest province in China at the time. We were off-road. You have to go off-road to go into this town, and there's like people, like malnourished people, riding like donkey carts and stuff on this off-road. Not like the image of China you'd see in, you know, in the propaganda. And you get in the village and you talk to the people, and they they tell 
you a story about how their local official caught was caught raping and murdering a 14 year old girl body was found in the river people freaked out they stifled all the protesters ruined all their lives right completely like got them unemployed the protesters yeah and the guy is still in power Oh, right. Uh, so you're just this dude that shows up on a motorcycle eating some sausage with these dudes in this cloud in this foggy little town in the middle of nowhere. And that's the first thing they want to tell you about because they can't do anything about it. Right. So it's very systematic. And that's the problem. Yeah. And you guys, you guys weren't even filming that. Shit. No, no. I mean, this is, that's just, that's one anecdote of many, many hundreds of stories that we've come across throughout the country is that people tend to vent when they think, oh, this guy's from outside. He's going to leave anyway. Uh, he speaks Chinese and like, let me, let me tell him about what's going on. You know? No, the average Chinese citizen, you know, does really, I mean, it's, it's a way different than doing on the ground investigations in Japan Yeah, where, I mean, Japan, you could eat off a Seven Eleven floor. Yeah. I mean, everything's so clean and so proper, but if you ask somebody a question that is clearly none of their business or none of your business, they will clearly tell you it's none of your business or their business Yeah, in China. They'll just, hey, yeah, they'll have a conversation with you. Yeah, no, you know, my brother works at this factory, and this is how many people are there. And, you right. know, oh, no, no, this is complete bullshit. This is a lie to steal money from Westerners. Sure. They'll just say it. Having said that, my job's gotten very, very hard in the last few years because I asked you the question about the surveillance state, and, and, and you answered it about why these people aren't just going to jail. Because any one of my investigators that is maybe just standing out beside a facility anymore with a mask on, they'll know who they are uh-huh. in like 10 minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, they'll, they'll have cameras follow this person back to wherever they take their mask off, and, and then they're arrested for nothing because there is no public property, right? It's all government-owned property. Right. If they really wanted to stop the human trafficking, they could. Yeah. So your answer is, is I'm sure, absolutely valid that this just permeates up the ladder. Yeah. And people have to keep in mind that a mayor of a town is a very powerful person. Uh, you know, a provincial leader yeah. is extremely powerful. They're not some schmuck that won a popularity contest in high school. No. <laughs> I mean, they're appointed by the CCP and shipped in, you know, from parts unknown, right? They don't have to grow up in... Shanghai to run Shanghai. That's I'm so happy you said that because like you go to a place that where the people just don't have money. It's very rundown, and there will be this palatial, you know, penthouse suite where the mayor is living. You're like, how does the mayor have so much money? You find out this kid's going to school in California. He's got property in Long Island, right? And it's like no one in this town makes more than you know a couple hundred bucks a month, right? What is this guy doing that's supposed to be making, you know, the equivalent of a thousand dollars a month from from the government salary? How are they? Why is he wearing six gold watches? It's connected. It is, you know, a, a lot like Cosa Nostra on steroids. I mean, <laughs> like, in the, you know, this guy's basically a capo and his promotion is to go to a bigger town to steal yeah. from. Yeah, that's how it goes. That's how they're promoted to a bigger opportunity of of oppressing people. Yeah. One thing I do want to throw in there is that I want people to understand why this happens. And that is because a lot of people get lost in this idea that Xi Jinping was the forefather, the, the, the father of anti-corruption drives. And that was kind of how he came into power is that yes, finally China is acknowledging with a bit of transparency that there's a corruption problem and Xi Jinping is going to be the guy that gets rid of it. And what he actually it just happened to be none of his friends. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. And in fact, it, it's, it's more corrupt now. And it's just that his cronies are in power in all these different places. 
and that they get to do whatever they want with impunity because they've already passed the anti-corruption test, right? Right. Well, the loyalty test to Xi Jinping. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I, I think the guy who came in second place uh, for power with Xi Jinping was the first guy he took out. Yes, yes, <laughs> was, exactly. It really was. It was Bao, yeah, uh, yeah. what was his, his name? Bo Xi Lai, yeah. yeah. Bo Xi Lai was, yeah, hey, congratulations. You know, <laughs> in Glengarry Glen Ross, you got a set of steak knives for second place. <laughs> you know, Cadillac was first place, set of steak knives, second place, third place, you're fucking fired. Yeah. Bo Xi Lai, like, he's gone, right? He's yeah. just gone. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's second place. He's on place. vacation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think his wife is gone too. Yeah. Yeah. I actually got them both. So, and if you're a foreigner, like what started there, that wasn't, wasn't the case is people hear about this social credit scoring for citizens in China. Like you can't move up societally without having this. And this has been within the last 10 years, everybody, like we've all lived through this without knowing we lived through it. Yeah. But they also have this for foreigners, like an ABC system. That would allow you to travel, not travel, and things of that nature, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a rudimentary social credit system, but you don't get as much uh, detail thrown in thrown in there because you're just a lowly foreigner, you know? But yeah, they tried this whole like grading foreigner system. So if you want to get employment in China, you're either like a low-level C tier, a B tier, maybe as like a foreign expert, someone that teaches, right? And then an A tier would be like an engineer and stuff like that. I'll be honest with you, though, I don't think that ever ended up taking off properly. And it's not... There's no incentive for it to take off anymore because no one's going to China. I'm speaking in generalities, but like it's not that those well, days the are over. Coronavirus has, yeah. has has screwed that up too. And we and like respectful of your time, but sure, I, I've got to talk to you about what's going on there because you and I are both seeing the same things. Yeah, and you know I'm really tired of our media on both sides. Sure. Like not not properly. I mean, they should not just the coronavirus, but the the issue in Ukraine. They should absolutely show what the media in China is saying about the United States and Western powers and how they just shit all over us every day about supporting Nazis as they absolutely prop up Russia. The war in Ukraine could be over tomorrow. Yes. And then the detention camps with with Uyghur Muslims. Sure. But they have detention camps now for coronavirus like they right. They they set up these these not just makeshift hospitals, but makeshift detention camps for anybody gets a virus they just throw you in a kind of prison yep that's absolutely correct so if you're talking about what's happening in shanghai right now people the reason the only reason you're actually hearing about anything happening in shanghai right now is because people in shanghai are tend to be more worldly in general and and tech savvy this stuff has been happening all over china uh especially in northern china northeastern china where i've been talking to people for the past few months and there's been tons of cases where people are getting locked up for over a hundred days in some of these quarantine facilities. And you're just hearing about it, like I said, in Shanghai, because there's so many foreigners there. People are used to accessing the outside world. But if you're going to talk about the Russia thing, I think that is one of the things that makes me the most angry of anything that China's been doing recently. And that's because the absolute blatant hypocrisy is not being addressed properly on mainstream media. And it's very important that it, it, it does because what I see is the odd article coming out. I, I can't name publications specifically, but it'll say China could be the great mediator in this situation. China could be the reason that, you know, that uh, peace could be achieved. Yeah, that's great. But they're not acknowledging the fact that they fully put all of their support behind Putin. Yeah, right. It's not a joke. Like it's all behind there. There's every single trade has been opened up. 
And it's duly advantageous for both of them. And that is not being addressed. While all of the netizens are being taught, or I should say Chinese citizens in general, are being, being taught that Ukrainians are subhuman and being fed Russian propaganda, and that the West is the reason for all of this. If you go, like, for example, yesterday I went on, like, uh, I think it was China Daily or Xinhua, Chinese state media website, and it says, it's a banner trying to promote, like, some articles about Ukraine. It says the Ukraine crisis, and it shows Putin, and it shows Biden. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Why, why don't you show something about Ukraine? And that's because Ukraine propaganda, or sorry, Russia propaganda has been swallowed hook, line, and sinker by Chinese propaganda, who is am- amplifying that. And in my line of work, what I do is see the overlaps and things like that. And what I'm noticing is that Russian media and Chinese state media are using each other's journalists, spokespeople, white monkeys to promote the exact same message. And nobody is holding China accountable for that, only Russia. No, that is that it's absolutely true. They're, their media personalities are interviewing Russian media personalities and vice yeah. versa. And vice and versa. All their propaganda going back and forth. And you know what I'm reading here that just really, really burns me is that, oh, China is stepping away from its support of Russia like they initially. Yeah. No, they're not. Yeah, no, they're not. No. They're, they're not. I mean, show me evidence. No. Yeah. Our government is this is I'm, I'm so tired of our government's carrot mentality in this way that like, hey, maybe if we say this. It'll it'll give China some face because face is very let's face right. it it's very important it in China, and, and allow them to do what we're encouraging them to do and step away from Russia. They're not going to do that because no. they're going to take Taiwan, <laughs> and Russia is right, right. behind them a hundred percent, and so is Iran and everybody else that we trifle with. It's it's a mistake. We need to start, and I hope you agree that we need to start playing clips of exactly what they're saying by day about the United States, Ukraine, and you know where they are playing it? You're playing it, Matt, on Lawway 86. No, I'm just like, look, I'm not, this is not just a commercial, but like the detention camps that they're having for coronavirus, you know, I've seen the most detail about those on your videos. With Ukraine and Russia, that's still a newer thing, and I know you're probably going to be adding Mm -hmm. more content. I'm going to be adding more content about that and what we're talking about, but- the the kind of content that you're adding and showing like you know when they want to keep people in a in a 10 story building away from each other they just put constantine razor wire <laughs> in all the stairwells so yeah. you can't go up and down the stairs it's, it's crazy yeah. carl yeah. it's like that prison wire welding the doors. electric fences as well well i guess the last resort is they'll weld people into their homes and you and you show videos of that that they're being welded in I wish that was a joke. Yeah, no, it's not yeah. a joke. Yeah, you 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 show that actually happening. So yeah, this is what's happening today. If we think that as this happens today, and this is what China will do, or Xi Jinping really will do yeah, yeah. to save face and not admit he was wrong about the no coronavirus policy, how far do you think they're willing to go to support Russia and Ukraine? I mean, to this, I think the beginning was a little litmus test to see how they would react. And I think they dealt their whole hand. I think we now see that what, what I see from Chinese language media is that there are two forces in the world now and it's East and West. And to them, East has nothing to do with Japan or Korea or anything like that. It's just Russia and China versus the rest of the world now. And Xi Jinping thought that he could get a lot more allies in the form of Pakistan and Iran and all these other states. But what he's realizing now is that really it's just Russia and China. 
And he's kind of really relying on the fact that people in China are going to see this as a great alliance, at least temporarily, and that they will completely solidify against the West. And I think it's actually working. I don't think you're going to see China pull out of complete support for Russia unless there is absolute economic destruction within China because of sanctions. And the problem I see with Western policy is that Russia gets hit with all of these things that cripple it and de-incentivize it from doing these horrible things in Ukraine, but China doesn't get hit with anything. No, no as, as a matter of fact, they just get a better deal on gas from Russia. <laughs> right. So why would China steer to a different path? Why would they change course when they can have their cake and eat it too? If I'm looking at the Russian thinking, uh, the way they operate over um, a 20-year span versus the way China does, because I, before the before the strategic like you know faux pas from Putin, he was a pretty good strategist or tactician anyway, but he was a terrible long-term strategist. Right. China. I mean, a weak Russia is good for them because it just becomes. I think Russia yeah. becomes a vassal state to them. I was I was going to use that same word. Yeah, and 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 twenty thirty years maybe less, they share that huge border. They're not going to yeah. forget that that Russia took land from them after World War II. They're gonna they're gonna get Russia to give that back. They're not even gonna have to take it because they owe them right. so much money. And I think they'll be right. a vassal state. I guess you agree. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. That's. That's tough because everybody knows that uh, from Princess Bride, you never start a land war in Asia. <laughs> right. Well said. Inconceivable. Yeah. This this is bad on all accounts. Unless Putin does something like, I would even wonder if he drops a, a tactical nuke because he's getting his ass kicked so bad that if even that would cause China to walk away, I don't know. I seem, I feel like, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I feel like China's leaving everything on the table for themselves and 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 getting Taiwan semiconductor. I mean Taiwan. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll we'll have to see. But I think things are going that way. It's going to get. I mean, you're going to look at like World War One type trenches being dug in in Donbas region of Eastern Ukraine. Ukraine. This is just getting started. Um, yeah. And these propaganda accounts are just proliferating. Not just the United States, but they're like fully proliferated through Africa and South America, specifically South America, because China really wants to fuck with us in our hemisphere. Have you seen that to be the case? Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It was interesting when the Russia thing happened because I was I had to kind of dip my toes in the water of Russian propaganda, something I wasn't really well versed in. And I kind of understood how it worked because I was, I have a lot of, you know, I know a lot of people on the more conservative side of things. And they were sending me articles saying like, you know, there's going to be no shooting war in Ukraine. And Russia's actually being really nice to them and all this kind of stuff <laughs> on these like patriot, you know, conservative American yeah, Facebook, yeah. you know, uh, posts. And I'm like, what, what is this? You know, I'm used to Chinese propaganda. It's very different. So uh, what I noticed that when I was actually speaking to uh, Jordan Harbinger, my buddy. Yeah, he's been on the show. He's great. Yeah, great guy. Uh, he put me through to um, the Mibro group, which is uh, Clint Watts. He does a lot of uh, disinformation, misinformation stuff. And he did a whole study where they found where all of the Chinese influence, pro uh, propaganda influencers were going. And he mapped it out. So it was over like 50 countries and languages, right? So what a lot of them were was South America, right? South America, Central America. The idea being 
that if China can gain influence over the Spanish-speaking world, they can mitigate American influence and then kind of be the you know forefront power in those areas through infrastructure projects or really just bribing despotic dictators. Let's be honest. Belt and Road projects, yeah, which will be yeah, yeah. you know onerous loans that they will default on, and then China ends up with a deep right. water port that is of military use to them in South America. And we're paying for it. Absolutely correct. And we've already seen that starting to happen. Yeah. You know, look, Jordan does a great job. I think that Clint Watts episode is going to be great. I, you know, I'll be looking for that too, but mm -hmm. I think you're right. Like what you pointed out in your show is they don't just have these social media influencers on there with Chinese subtitles. They speak the language. No. So they're endeared to the yeah. population. Hebrew, Spanish, yeah. German. Right. Whatever it is, they'll, right. they'll, they'll learn it. And uh, it's state media. That's right. Keep up the great work. What can we do as average citizens? I mean, Thanks. I'm doing what I'm doing, and my story is is what it is. I think my listeners know it. But what, from your perspective, what can the average person do to help get the information out there? I think that people need to really appeal to their social media choice of uh, site of choice and make sure that they are labeling state media as such. You can send emails, you can report things. But also, I think more importantly, if you're in the US, you need to write to your congressmen and, and talk to the people that are actually in political power and reach out and use the elements of democracy at your disposal. Because only by spreading information can you really you know, get these people's ears to perk up and realize that a lot of the educational institutions, a lot of the donations, a lot of the influence is coming directly from the Chinese government without you knowing it. Um, so looking into those institutions, looking into the Confucius Institutes or the Cultural Exchange Institutes, stuff that has very non-nefarious sounding ties. I mean, just for example, uh, a buddy of mine, Matias Daly, he was in the uh, studying uh, what's it called Chinese medicine in Beijing, and he found out that the you know the Chinese medicine institutions in America, especially the educational institutions, are co-opted by the Chinese government. So stuff that sounds very innocuous or culturally related and stuff oftentimes has ties to the Chinese government. So making sure that you're educated on that and making sure people in power know that as well. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds great. Where can be, I mean, do any last words to add? And if not, tell us where we can. Before my death. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, look, I mean, um, it, it's, you, it's you or me, buddy. And uh, my money's on I you. I know. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, what I'm trying to get people to go out there and watch is my live show. So it's called ADV as an adventure ADV podcasts. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's a live show that Serpents at A and I do every Friday, and it's all about the current events. The stuff I do on my channel, Lao 86 and Serpents at A, that's more like curated stuff that we've been studying for a long period of time. Um, the live show is just like really what's happening on the ground from people in China. Well, okay. So I guess you're, you're not doing it from China. Or from people in China. No, but we have people in China, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah. so they're yeah. really filming. They're, it's for they're getting, they're getting video. It's for out? English speakers. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's great. I'm going to watch that. So they're getting video out in kind of real time yeah. for you. You know, I mean, everybody listening needs to know. They're, they're yeah. I mean, we have obviously we have sources, people that live there, and well, whatnot. they're risking their lives. I just, I just want people to know that. Like, yeah. I mean, this is this is a no joke. Hundred percent. This is a big deal, right? So, yeah, so we'll check yeah. it out. It's live on Fridays, and then you can replay it after that. It's cool. It's a live show. Somebody could show up naked. You never yep. know. Um, <laughs> Milk a horse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'll tune in for that. I, you've been a great guest. I, I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, we'll check you out on Fridays. We'll check you out at Lawe eighty six. We'll check you out, your buddy out Serpent Z A. 
uh, at his channel, which yep. was great. I watched one of his things today as well. It was great. Australian dude. Very cool. Great stuff. Uh, South African. Same yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> absolutely there you go alright thanks for having us on if you enjoyed the show please yeah. give us a retweet or a like if you didn't enjoy the show remember I don't care <laughs> <laughs>